Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber, and I always say I'm blessed by the best. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for taking an hour a week to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our listeners on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. And Bishop Strickland, I want to start off by telling people what they're going to get. We're going to be talking about some tweets that you've given this past week. We're also going to talk a little bit about your pastoral letter regarding marriage and the sacrament, the marriage, and also the holy order. So it'll be a, a, a filled show. But first of all, everybody for the last several weeks has been saying to me, how's Bishop Strickland doing? How's he doing? Is he okay? And I, I want to just give a tweet that you sent out. You said, many have prompted to speak out on my behalf. You said, I appreciate the support, but I want to focus always uh, to be on Jesus Christ alone, not me. I'm asking, I'm not asking for any support or any press conferences, demonstrations, anywhere, anywhere. I don't need those. What I do need is your prayers. And so I just want to throw that to you. Is there anything else you want to add in saying how you're doing and how you're handling, you know, this investigation and just doing your duty as the Bishop of Tyler? Yeah, really, Terry, that's what it's about. And we all, especially with all that's going on in the world and in the church, we just have to look to Christ. Yeah. Um, In one of my tweets, I said I was Jesus strong. Yeah, I love that. That's what we all need to be. We need to be strong in Christ. Yes. He says, be not afraid. And I think this time, for me at least, is a time to really look at the priorities Mm. and you know, Jesus was stripped of everything. And I mean, like the story of Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Right. Um, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. And I think we all have to have that attitude, wherever, whatever we're doing, because we, if we're clinging to a position or a title um, and not focused on sharing Jesus Christ, I mean, I thought we're celebrating today the, that we're recording this. Yeah. We're celebrating the Korean martyrs. That's right. Um, And they were quoted basically saying, like so many of the martyrs, you know, my life is Christ. So as long as I'm alive, I have to speak for Christ until I'm dead. And so they're martyred. But that's the witness of the martyrs. And, you know, most of us, there are still people being martyred in the world, but That's not something that I'm threatened with, but we do have to, we are called as disciples to be what we call sometimes white martyrs. What does Jesus say to all of us? He doesn't say, oh, those who have to die for me, these are your rules. It's the same rules for all of us. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And that you can go very deep into all three of those phrases. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And they're all woven together. But that's what's called discipleship. And there's joy in that. That's the great thing about the saints and the martyrs. They're joyful people. Mm-hmm. And in this context, thankfully, I'm peaceful and joyful and you know, I'm ready to, to face each day. Amen. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but who does? That's that's really one thing that's come home to me. And one thing, you know, I don't want to talk a lot about me, but <laughs> I, I am learning lessons. Hopefully we all do, sure. whatever we're going through. And one thing that occurred to me as I was 
I was actually talking to another radio program <laughs> earlier this week. And just as I was talking to um, the announcer, yeah. I said, what occurred to me is I'm 65. So if I'm removed from my office as Bishop of Tyler, you know, that I don't want that. And that will be certainly a, a major change in my life. Mm -hmm. But it occurred to me in 10 years, I'll be canonically up for retirement. That's right. And if I was 10 years older, if it was just the normal time of retirement, mm -hmm. I would still need to, to speak up for the message of Jesus Christ yeah. and call people to the perennial truth that is Jesus Christ. All these crazy ideas, frankly, that are bouncing around, people proposing this and that, things being examined at the Senate, that in my opinion, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Because... The truth is the truth, as people quote me saying, but it is. I mean, it's not complicated. It's very simple. And, you know, I don't claim to be a great scholar or great intellect. I got a decent brain and I can look at reality. Yeah. And I'm going to speak up for the Lord and Savior that I know, Jesus Christ. And I think I feel great support from his mother, the Virgin Mary, and the saints. I mean, and I haven't heard any voices or seen any apparitions or anything that people would say, oh, that's a supernatural event or some mystical event. But through prayer, I feel very connected to Christ and his sacred heart. I feel the support of Mary and the saints. What better place can we be than, than close to God, living the way of the saints? Many of them suffered a lot more than I've had to suffer in life. Yeah, it's a bit burdensome to not know what's going coming next. But really, if we're honest with ourselves, none of us knows what tomorrow brings, but we trust in the Lord. Thank you for speaking up. I, uh, I always say uh, this from St. Thomas More, and I know you've heard me say this, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. So yep. anything, anything, what can they do to us? That's going to affect us like for our eternal salvation. Well, they can't do anything. They can just kill us. Look at the martyrs today that like you just talked about, Kim and the others, the priests and laymen. Yeah. And, so the, and I thank you for speaking up as a layman, hearing our bishop speak like this. And there's another bishop we're going to talk about today who did a very similar thing. Uh, we're speaking up for the truth. And we need to hear more of that. Bishop Strickland, you hardly ever go a show without speaking on the life issues. And I love that because that is the issue today. We, we're living in a world where 4,000 babies are slaughtered every single day through abortion that we know of, not even including the chemical abortions. And then we have euthanasia going on in many of the states, not in your state, but in California and others. And you just sent a tweet, as you said, as we quibble about the various issues, people are dying because we fail to stand clearly for the sanctity of life. This is a travesty that must be denounced because life is sacred. You're talking about a brave 19-year-old woman locked in a legal fight with her doctors, and while she's in that fight, she dies. And I think you're just making the point that there's another one that goes down because we don't see life as being sacred. Am I onto something? Absolutely. They 
basically declared her incompetent because she wanted to live. Wow. And, you know, it's just a, a twisted, messed up world we're in. But the Lord, you know, we just have to hang on to the Lord. Yeah. Well, you know, Cardinal uh, Mueller says much of the same thing you've been saying about this craziness that's going on in the, in the Senate. And other cardinals are speaking out. I actually... This is just off the cuff, but I got a word that um, they are. There's many of the cardinals in Rome at the Senate are going to confront the issue there. They say, "Wait a minute, guys! These are issues that shouldn't be even discussed. They're already settled." And I hope and pray that they do that. If you don't mind, Bishop Strickland, I'd like before I quote Cardinal Mueller, I I think as lay people, especially and also the priests and bishops, we have this urgent call to prayer and fasting, and I say almsgiving. Because what's happening right now, uh, the issues that are at stake at that Senate uh, in Rome that starts October 4th, goes through the month of October, I think the best thing we can do, and you can correct me on the air, I have no problem getting corrected on the air, prayer, Eucharistic adoration, we need to be praying our rosary for this. Uh, We can also, there's a prayer that I have for the supplications of the holy angels, asking the intercession of the angels to help the people at that Senate, be, be sure that they do what God wants, not what man wants. And off, have offered masses for them this month. Go to your parish priest and say, can I get a mass offered for the uh, the men and women that are at the Senate? Uh, offer your Holy Communion for the participants of the Senate, that they're going to be guided by the Holy Spirit and not by the world, the devil, and the flesh. And then fasting. Fasting and prayer along together, you know, can obtain special graces. We know that. Our Lady told us that at Fatima. So maybe we renounce one meal. I mean, I'm a little guy. One meal, I can handle that. Uh, you know, uh, maybe even leave out on some social media, TV, or entertainment. Wait, little sacrifices throughout the day. I'm going to offer up <clears throat> my little sacrifices for uh, the Senate also that, that will stay fast to the teachings of the church. And then almsgiving. It's a concrete realization of helping the merciful love for one's neighbor is the most efficient part of the commitment. Even the very modest alms can be great in the eyes of God. So I would just say go to your parish church or go to wherever you, your nonprofit, give, give a little sacrifice. Say, I want to give this, make this sacrifice for the church because we're living in some tough times. All right, am I on to something, Bishop Stricken? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, this is what the church has always looked at. Absolutely. Um, We need to make reparation, Mm. and that is a way to do it. And I think, you know, like people think about during Lent, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be restricted to Lent. And like you said, you know, fast, maybe skip a meal and throw in $5 that would have cost for that meal or $10. There you go. You know, just pass it on. Yep. Let somebody have it that maybe had had a meal in a couple of days. Amen. And there's many people here in my in, that, in my county here in Los Angeles or in that case. We come back, we want to quote Cardinal Mueller regarding the church situation and much more on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Stay with us, family. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour, indeed. I want to quote Cardinal Mueller. Bishop Strickland, you quoted him, and he's one of the uh, participants in this Senate starting October 4th, which I'm really grateful that he's there. 
He says this, and this quote, you said, thank you, your eminence. I want to say it again. Thank you, thank you, because it needs to be said. He said this, the church is not the playground of ideologues, of godless humanism, nor of strategists of the block party. God's universal will to save, which we encounter in Christ, the only mediator between God and man, and which is realized historically and eschatologically, is the future program of his church, and not the great reset of the atheist globalist elite of billionaire bankers who hide their ruthless personal enrichment behind the mask of philanthropy. Here's my point, Bishop Strickland. This man gets it. And from what I as a layman, I mean, he just knocked the ball out of the park by calling it out. And also, not just giving the problem, but he gave the solution. It's Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Um, wow. I love it. And, you know, it's just we keep having to repeat the same message. But <laughs> we need to be clear that yeah. we have the truth. Yeah. Jesus Christ is the face of truth. Mm. We look to him. And, you know, too many people have turned to other things with, uh, I think it was, I forget who, but basically the the message that Christianity would be great if we just gave it a try. <laughs> well, I think it was uh, G.K. Chesterton said that. Uh, of, uh, yeah, it just hasn't been. No, no, it was, it was, um, uh, Gandhi said he's Gandhi, Gandhi. Yeah, sorry, that's what I was it was Gandhi, and he said yeah. that yeah, if it was, I think it's great, but it hasn't. You know, I don't see it. <laughs> so it's an example. Yeah, you you got a great point there, and I appreciate that, uh, Bishop Strickland. Uh, my question to you is: some of you you give scripture verses a lot with your tweets, and I always think that that is actually the top of the food chain that I see you do, and I, I appreciate that. Um, but I also, some of the saint sayings that you get, um, there's a saint, and I don't really see it in front of me. And I had it here because I read it on the air on the Terry and Jesse show, and it was from St. Thomas More. And it wasn't the one I gave you, but he talked about, and I'm going to see if I can grab it real quick here. Oh, I think I got it here because I wanted to have you, uh, you know, give me your take on it because I, I was so impressed. He said, if you live... This is like hundreds of years ago. And then you take this quote and put it into 2023 and see if it fits. It's amazing. St. Thomas More said, If you live in a time that no man will give you good counsel, nor any man give you good example, oh my gosh, you will see virtue punished and vice rewarded. But you must stand fast. You must firmly stick to God upon the pain of your life. That gives me inspiration. Did that hit you like it hit me, Bishop Strickland? Yeah, that's why I tweeted it, because he he really nails it. And like you said, wow. he could be speaking to our time, because we've talked about so many times before. Yeah. It's like everything's upside down. Yeah. What, what is true is broadcasted to be false. What is false is God broadcasted to be true. What is black is masquerading as white. Yeah. What is white is masquerading as black. It's just, it's, you know, you can't get a straight answer no. from, from politicians and too many 
in the church and in every corner of society. Yeah. Now, I want to quote some of your tweets from the scriptures. It was 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. Again, these are scripture verses that they never, they get, they never grow old because it's God's word. And he, you tweeted that this. He said, for there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and man, men, and the man is Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And you point out, this is an essential truth for our time. Because you know what, Bishop Strickland? Some people, I don't think they get that memo of the scripture. They think that he's just one of many or something like that. No, this is essential truth for our time, you stated. We cannot allow anyone to demote Jesus Christ to the status of one among many. When we do so, we deny him. That's happening. I'm, I'm sorry to have to say, Bishop Strickland, I, I see that happening even inside our church today. Absolutely. And that's, that's a big problem. So thank you for making that clarification. Uh, question I have about your scripture verses, because I, I really think that it's important that you keep throwing scripture, even, even if it's been from a year ago, because it just never gets old. And those scripture verses just you know, are so beautiful. I encourage people to put them on your, on your window, in your, your mirror in your bathroom. If you have something that just, just really fires you up in the morning, read it often. All right. I also like this. You tweeted about a bishop who's out uh, in Ohio who spoke up, and he's going to pay a price for what he did. But you said, thank you, Bishop Molestic. We must speak into true love and hold on to truth that God has created us male and female. So what did he do? He has a pastoral. He says this, the church has a shepherd of a pastoral demeanor whose leadership is more than the effort to be just nice. Um, you mean to tell me there's a bishop out in Ohio who says that I need to give you the truth even if you don't want to hear it? See, I, I like that because to me, he's giving what Christ teaches and not worrying about, you know, putting a finger up and saying, which way is the wind blowing? And I thank him because we need more bishops like that. So thank you for tweeting that. I, I agree with you. We should thank him personally. He's in Ohio, right? What, what diocese? Yes, uh, Cleveland. 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 Oh, that's a big diocese. Cleveland, huge. All right, well, thank you for that. And then um, I wanted to say you quoted something that I've used to help priests when they tell me they don't want to say Mass on their day off. I've heard priests tell me that. I said, well, Father, you might consider what the cure of ours has to say. And this is what you tweeted. Mm. All the good works in the world are not equal to the holy sacrifice of the Mass because they are the works of men. But the Mass is the work of God. Martyrdom is nothing in comparison, for it is but the sacrifice of man to God. But the Mass is the sacrifice of God for man. I mean, it doesn't get any better. Say, I mean, when I'm giving a talk to a bunch of college students next month, and it's going to be on the Mass. Can you imagine? I'm going to be quoting that. Yeah. If we only understood Bishop Strickland, the Mass. Catholics would be yeah. blocking. Now, I'm going to get to your comment on that, but I'm also going to tell you, I just read the statistics. Now, maybe it's not in your diocese, but overall, since the pandemic... Only about 40% of the people who were going to church before the pandemic are back in church. We lost 
Thankfully, that isn't the case here. Good. But um, I mean, I just had masses in in a chapel that's part of our cathedral parish, mm-hmm. packed, Good. beautiful. Good. And I used that quote in the homily, <laughs> thanking the people for being there, and just we all, all the priests, all of us, yeah. need to remember, I mean, especially as priests, yeah. with all the things, and priests are busy with many things. But the Mass is the most important thing we do in spending time with the Lord in the Eucharist in prayer. Eucharistic adoration is really essential for priests. Yeah. And I mean, I'm 64 years old. It's probably been, I would say, at the most in the last eight years since I've been a bishop and not even immediately then. But I've come to learn that that's the most important time we spend. Yep. And I've, I've read some great saints that remind us all the busyness and all the programs and all the things that all of us can get busy with. Yes. That never, I mean, it basically follows on exactly what St. John Vianney says. Yes. That, I mean, if that's the greatest work and it's the work of God, yes. then it's essential for the life of his church that we focus on the Mass and celebrating it with reverence Amen. and calling people to, to be there. Um, it's just, I mean, and, and thankfully, the, the documents of the Second Vatican Council, I mean, it's always being quoted, yeah. but we need to really understand what it means that it's the source and the summit of the Christian life and therefore of the Catholic faith. You know, Bishop Strickland, I'm 66 years old, and I fell in love with the Mass when I was 14 years old because of Archbishop Fulton Sheen and started to go to daily Mass because when I realized that I was present at that one eternal sacrifice of Calvary, that that just mystically just gave me, wow, what? I could be there from, yes, it's a representation. We're there. We're present why wouldn't I want to take you know time to go to daily mass? And then when I realized so beautifully what the church teaches about the Holy Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, this message, for some reason, Bishop Strickland, didn't get out well enough into our church because if it did, all of our churches would be packed. Uh, and so I appreciate you bringing that up because, yeah, the, the Eucharist, as Vatican II says, the source and summit of the Christian life, I think I shared with you over the years, I would ask people what their belief is at churches on the real presence. And about 90% of the people I would talk to over the last you know, 30, 40 years, they didn't have a clue. And, and that's an indictment on me first. I didn't communicate well enough. So I think the church really needs this Eucharistic revival, but I think we need to spend it on in having people encounter the person of Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament private and also for private time because i'm convinced when people go there quietly that's where an encounter can take place even more than a good sermon your thoughts absolutely um because it's it's the lord mm. it's jesus christ yeah. the same one that we hear in the gospel whatever gospel the gospel is always proclaimed at mass that's part of the mass and i think we need to really and and i speak for myself yeah. i mean i continue to grow and really focusing on as I continue praying in the Eucharistic prayer 
to remind myself that the same Lord who just recently this week, he raised the young man, the son of the widow from he was dead. He was in a funeral procession. Christ walks up, raises him from the dead. That's the same Jesus that I'm holding in my hand. That blows your mind if you really think about it. Is this microphone on? Are you kidding me? Yes. This is what our faith says. And, you know, I'm sorry to get so excited, but when you were just describing that, I'm going, jump out of this chair and say, amen, amen. Wow. (laughs) Hey, when we come back, we got a quick break coming up. I want to also talk about a tweet from the Fatima visionary, St. Lucia, as what she said back in 1957. Uh, it's it's going to blow you away, but this is what our Catholic faith does. If we really understand it, it's supernatural. This is not just, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and do this. And do this. No, this is a taste of heaven when we go to Mass. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back. Indeed, I made a promise. The Fatima visionary, St. Lucia, said in 1957, and Bishop Strickland's quoting it, each person must not only save his own soul, but also the souls that God has placed in our path. Now, Bishop Strickland, I want to get that take because you said, let us, let us take this task to heart, pray, fast, seek reparation, atonement for all souls being led astray by particularly false teachings. Um, I want to hear more, but then I, can I just jump in and say this to you? What, what made, when I read this, I thought of, as a married man, because in your letter that you did, we're going to talk about it, your pastoral letter, you talked about marriage and also ordination to priesthood. And in both cases, you tied this very same thing in that as a father, my role is to get my wife to heaven and my children to heaven. And it seems to me that as a priest, the shepherding, the flock, whether you're a pastor or a bishop, you have a tremendous obligation to lead the souls to heaven. So I want to hear your take about the visionary St. Lucia saying this and how it applies in your own personal life and in mine. Absolutely. And really, Terry, if you think about the the Fatima apparitions, the other two children that died so young, I remember reading that they were really burdened by the idea that they they needed to pray so much yes. uh, and spend their, you know, they practically wouldn't do anything but pray because yes. they were so focused on praying for the souls. Yes. And it's really an extension of that that uh, Sister Lucia speaks of is caring for the other person. I yes. mean, and it really echoes what what Christ says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, always we're called to go out of ourselves and to recognize that, like you said, with a family, yeah. but even with your parish community to, yeah. I mean, all of us ultimately make our own free will choice, yeah. but we can all influence people lovingly Yes. To turn to the truth or to return to the truth. <clears throat> Very good. Well, Bishop Strickland, I want to. We always do catechisms uh, in the past using the, uh, the St. Philip Institute's catechism, but in the la- past couple of weeks, you've been writing these pastoral letters, 
And I just see him as, you know, taking stuff out of a catechism, out of scripture, and saying, this is what the church teaches, and this is why I'm bringing this up, because there's a need right now for clarity regarding marriage and also for priesthood. And so I, before we read some of the sections of your pastoral letter, what made you write this? Is this your third letter? Yeah. Good. Yeah, what, what brought you to, why, why did you do it? Well, after I issued the, the original letter, August 22nd. Right, Queenship of Mary. I was just inspired to, there were seven points of basic Catholic doctrine right. that that letter spoke about. And it, I was just inspired to each week what I've been doing, and I hope to continue to get through all seven, is to have, you know, not super long, but a letter talking more specifically about those issues, about the church, about the Eucharist, about marriage, yeah. about, you know, who we are as human beings created in the image and likeness of God. So, that's what I wanted to do, and um, I think they've been well received. And you know, as you as we were saying earlier, it's nothing new. It really it takes some time to put it together. Yeah. But you're real. I'm not inventing anything. I'm just reflecting on what I know we believe, and then looking for the scripture and documents that help to support that, like. Kasti Kanubi, yeah. oh. an old document that a lot of people probably have never heard of, but it's part of the, the magisterial foundation of what we believe and know about marriage in, in today's world. And if I could just add that Kasti Kanubi, my wife and I read that book before we got married, along with Three to Get Married by Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And for 40 years, I've been telling people those are the two books to read regarding marriage and i'm so happy that they reprinted the book years ago because it was out of print for years uh, bishop strickland well said but you you also um in your letter i mean you just quote the catechism you quote scripture and you also challenge modern science uh because he's pointing your letter after the catechism that modern science has not changed the church teaching against abortion but instead has confirmed that life of each individual begins with the earliest zygote and embryo because each and every human life has inherent dignity. Each life must be treated with respect. I, I say this because, you know, 500 years ago, uh, we didn't have the technology to realize what was going on with a mother and the process of having nine months gestation of that baby. But yeah. now, doggone it, we actually see cameras inside the mother's womb and you see the baby, and now we're operating on those babies before they're born. I, I, I don't get it. You know, if it's a baby, what are you operating on? Okay, it's a baby. You operating on a fetus? No, 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 no. See, this is what uh, we have seen with technology, and I think it's great that you make that point. Um, I also thought that you said, as we approach the upcoming Senate on Senatality, we must continue to hold fast to sacred scripture, the sacred traditions of the church and the unchangeable deposit of faith, which illumine and guide our faith regarding matrimony. Now, Bishop Strickland, you've been saying that for years with me. This is no new message, but why are you emphasizing now? Is there, I mean, I know that at the Senate, they're talking about some crazy things 
Are you just pointing this out to try and reaffirm for people to know that that these teachings cannot change no matter what is said at the Senate? Is that that's my words? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And I I was just inspired primarily to the Diocese of Tyler, to yeah. the people here, good people yeah. who want to know. I mean, some people argue against what the church teaches, oh, yeah. even even claiming Catholic, but they say, oh, and this needs to change. That's not the attitude of the flock that I serve. Yeah. But people, it's our fault it's, as bishops and priests, but people aren't well catechized. Yeah, that's it. And they're hungry for knowing why does the church teach this? Why do we say the things we say about the sacrament of matrimony and make those distinctions about natural marriage and marriage as a sacrament? Yeah. Uh, both are important because one builds on another. Yeah. And so people want to know these things. And I can tell you, we've talked about yeah. the work of the St. Philip Institute yeah. here in the diocese. And the great work that's done with marriage and family life. Yes. Um, and the couples that come for the marriage formation that is offered in our diocese. We actually have couples that come from other dioceses mm -hmm. because they're really hungry for it. It's challenging. And sometimes at first they're a little, you know, not sure that they're unsure that they can really live up to this. But we get great feedback and we have Eucharistic adoration. We have confessions. We emphasize the Catholic faith. Yeah. And many times the couples that come to us, both of them may not even be Catholic, but that Catholic spouse respecting the free choice of their future spouse, whether I've never encouraged a couple getting married to, to say, well, you have to become Catholic. It has to be a personal call that you feel. Certainly, we encourage it. We believe in the, sure. the true faith, and we want people to, to turn to the faith. But if they don't, I mean, it, realistically, and I'm sure you've seen this, yes. but if, if people marry uh, or become Catholic for any other reason than a deep personal call to know Jesus Christ in the Catholic tradition— then it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, if they're just doing it because they want to make their future spouse happy or keep the family peaceful or whatever, if they do it for some other reason, it's not. I mean, being Catholic is challenging. Sometimes it's hard, but it's life-giving also. So I think that the marriage, like you're saying, marriage is God's plan for most men and women, yeah. not everybody's married, and you have a celibate priesthood, which is valuable. Amen. But the majority of men and women do marry, and the more that we can make that a sacred reality, even if they're not Catholic, to recognize how important this is and how important the permanence of marriage is, as I tried to say in this letter, yes. that's beneficial just to human civilization much less the church. Amen. I just will give a quick story about Dr. Hahn doing something similar to what you're doing. He was giving the church teachings on contraception and saying that why the church is opposed to this. This was 1991 at a family conference with, you know, 3,000 people at the event. And I'll never forget a young couple who I didn't know.
my wife came up to me after the talk and said, my husband is in the parking lot in the car. He wants to leave because he's upset about what Scott Hahn said about contraception. We're newly married, and we thought we were doing well with using contraception, but he's upset because he didn't like the way he said it, and he has questions. And he said that there's no way he could get his answers by his, from his questions. I, he said, because that guy, Scott Hahn, would never talk to me. And I said, well, you go back to your husband in the parking lot, tell him to get over here, and we're going to have him talk to Scott directly about his questions. And we did. And I didn't know anything about this later, but about 20 years later, I met that couple because I know they kept coming. They have nine children, okay? <laughs> and I'm in the bar backyard. We're barbecuing at his house. He lives in Alabama now. And he starts to tell me, he says, you know, Terry, I really have to thank you. I said, what are you talking about? Well, you're the one who really convinced my wife and I that we get rid of our contraceptive mentality and because of that talk by Scott Hahn, and you helped me set up a time where I could talk to Scott. I said, really? Uh, okay, if you say so. I, I don't really remember all the details of it, but here's the point. This is why you're writing the letter, because so people know the truth, because they didn't get the memo. This young yeah. couple got married in a Catholic church thinking contraception was okay, and it's not. Thanks be yeah. to God that we have people like Dr. Hahn and Bishop Strickland and others speaking the truth with charity. We'll be back with more on the on the Bishop Strickland Show right now. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Thanks be to God. We're here with Bishop Strickland speaking the truth in charity. I remember a year ago you tweeted, never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. And I think about your letter that you're writing. Bishop Strickland, I'm not a, a master's, I don't have any education, any supernatural, I mean, super duper PhDs. I just have the sense of the faithful. And what I see here in these letters is taking scripture, catechism, common sense, and saying, look, um, we need to address these issues because here in your conclusion of your letter, on, on marriage, you said, our discussion regarding matrimony, we must recognize just how far modern society has slipped from the conventional life-giving concept of holy matrimony as given by God. As more homosexual relationships are more and more recognized throughout the world as marriages, as marriages in many cases are believed to be disposable through the widespread presence of divorce, as contraception is now widely used, even by Catholics, we talked about that, and as abortion is not only permitted, but in our country, the highest levels, the President of the United States celebrates abortion throughout our country in our world, and that this is very true, the very fabric of marriage is being ripped apart at the seams, and you can't be quiet, right? You have to speak. Absolutely. It's devastating for humanity to to just let marriage be twisted any way we want. And it we can do that. We are doing it. Yeah. But it's it's not the truth. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have it doesn't have lasting strength. It it just it's not going to last. Right, right. Well, Bishop Strickland, I love the dialogue that we have going here on this letters because 
this is so important. If we don't understand marriage, if we don't get marriage right, we don't get the family right. And I always quote St. John Paul II when he wrote that letter to the families. He said, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. So if you got a contraceptive mentality, abortion mentality, the family's a mess. And that's why we need people like yourself and others speaking the truth and <coughs> charity. Now, you also covered a very important topic in your letter, the second part on holy orders, because, again, it's being challenged right in Rome right now about who could be ordained, men, women, diaconate, you know, things that we've already discussed for the church to say, no, they're bringing it up. So you quote the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I'd like to just read a little bit, and then you, you know, talk about this. He said, no one has a right to receive the sacrament of holy orders. Indeed, no one claims this office for himself. He is called to it by God. Catechism, paragraph 1578. Holy orders is the sacrament through which the mission entrusted by Christ to his apostles continues to be exercised in the church until the end of time. Thus, it is a sacrament of apostolic ministry. And this is very important. It includes three degrees. The episcopate, the presbyterate, and the diaconate. This is right, not from Bishop Strickland. I don't care what Bishop Strickland thinks. To be honest with you, Bishop, I want to know what Holy Mother of the Church teaches. And that's what you did. You quoted paragraph 1536. Um, can you continue why this is important for us today to cover this topic of holy orders? Well, yeah, because just like we talked about marriage, and that's why these two sacraments really go hand in hand for the family that is the church yeah. and the domestic church. You need the couple committed in marriage and nurturing a family, yeah. and you need the, the spiritual father in the priesthood, either the bishop, the priest, or the deacon. That same spiritual fatherhood is there in different ways. Yeah. You need both for the church to flourish. And really, we have to acknowledge that both are under attack yeah. at this point. I mean, it's it's very evident that marriage is under attack. Mm -hmm. People have tried to uh, raise the questions. I mean, back when we were little kids, yes, they were saying, oh, we're going to have women priests, we're going to have right. married priests, and all of that finally kind of subsided, but it's back again. And we've got to be clear of, of what the priesthood is. Yeah. And we speak of the priest as alter Christus. Mm -hmm. And again, we, we've talked a lot about being faithful to Christ. Yeah. He, he's what the priesthood is about. Yeah. It's not about me or any man. It's about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he was incarnate as a man, as a, he was conceived in the womb of Mary as a male child. He was born into the world as a male child, and he lived as a man according to God's plan. <clears throat> what we have to realize, and I think that it's so important that we, we get marriage and priesthood right Amen. in our time in the life of the church, because if the church allows them, I mean, marriage has gone off the rails. And frankly, in many other churches, uh, they don't have holy orders. But even what would be a vestige of priesthood has really fallen apart. Yeah. And it's done harm to the to the Protestant churches. Oh, yeah, big time. Who, those who have welcomed women, they're having a hard time getting men to even consider 
their form of ministry. Some of them still call it priesthood, yeah. but it's not the priesthood of Jesus Christ nope. that we know in the Catholic Church. So we've got to stand strong with marriage and priesthood as essential elements of the church that Christ established. And in order to do that, we've got to continue to recognize the three levels of deacon, priest, and bishop, and to recognize, I mean, what's being talked about at the Synod, from what I understand, is really asking, can women be ordained to the diaconate? And that's not just the issue of women, but also, if you're treating the diaconate differently than priesthood and, and episcopacy, then you're beginning to to fracture what the priestly call is and to recognize that all three are in some way connected to serving in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the diaconate really focuses on his humble service ministry. And so we can't allow one level of holy orders to, to sort of take on a different form because and many people acknowledge that if they can if they can manage for the church to corrupt priesthood at the level of diaconate, yeah. then the next thing to shoot for exactly. is priesthood itself. Exactly. And, you know, and that's just harmful. That's just as distorting marriage is harmful, distorting priesthood as Christ ordained. Yep. These aren't my ideas, no. they're not your ideas. They came from Christ. Exactly. And that's what we have to really believe, and really support. Bishop Stricken, your last two paragraphs are gold, especially the last one in conclusion, but let me just read this. As we approach the Senate of Synodality, we must remember that God would never call a person to a role which they were not able to fulfill. As I stated in my pastoral letter, September 5th, 2023, sacred tradition and the ordinary magisterium of the church has affirmed throughout the ages that the church has no authority whatsoever to ordain women as Christ called those who would be ministers in his name to image himself as the bridegroom with the church as his bride. Because the church has no authority to ordain women, we recognize that God would never authentically call a woman to the sacrament of holy orders. As such, if any were to suggest a change could be made to this sacred and unchangeable doctrine, we must recognize this as a break from the deposit of faith and reject the idea as contrary to the faith. Well said. I don't know what else you can say. on. <coughs> I mean, but the last paragraph, you said it all when you said, in conclusion, I would like to say to you, my dear brothers, my dear sons and daughters in Christ, do not despair. Amen. It is evident that we look back through salvation history that any time humanity moves away from God, he pours out abundant graces of divine graces upon the faithful, well said, so that his children may return to him. God is depending on each of us to help lead humanity back to himself. Let us meet him in mass. I love it. In the sacrament of prayer and in the Eucharistic adoration, we are called to participate in his divine plan of salvation. So we must proclaim as did St. Joan of Arc. I love this line. This is so appropriate. I'm not afraid, for God is with me, and I was born for this. Sign me up, Bishop Strickland. How do you get better than that? I mean, 
I, I did that. It ex, doesn't that just excite you to hear the quoting from the? I mean, we we we've been made for this time. God from all eternity brought Bishop Strickland, Terry Barber, in this time for a specific job he hasn't done given to any other person. And I say that to every person that's come into this world. God has a plan. And what you're asking us to do is call on the graces to be faithful, to stand up for the truth of the gospel. And I thank you for that. Yeah, and St. Joan of Arc, in worldly terms, had a rough time, but you she think? was strong. Oh gosh. Yeah, now Bishop Strickland, I just want to encourage people, they go to what, Bishop Strickland com to get this pastoral letter? Is, it, is that the best way to get it? Yeah, that's that's an easy way because it's right there. Yeah, so go ahead and go to bishopstrickland.com. Get the pastoral letters. If you haven't got one, two, or three, get them all. It doesn't take a long time to read them, but it's a basic review on your catechism about these topics so that you're grounded well in the faith so that you won't be deceived by any kind of compromise that could possibly come down the pike. Any final thoughts before I ask for a blessing, please? I'll just offer a blessing. Okay, let's do it. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all at Virgin Most Powerful Radio and for everyone in the world and in the church that we may joyfully embrace the challenges we face, always strengthened in Christ. As St. Joan of Arc said, we were born for this. Let us be strong and joyful in embracing God's call for us to serve each other and to serve him in the church today. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Bishop Strickland. I want to give a plug to the St. Philip Institute. Pick up some of their material there by going to stphilipinstitute.org. And you can get many good things there. Also, I want to just publicly thank all the people who are supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio with their monthly support because we... We, have, we pay monthly bills with monthly support, so I thank you for that. You want to hear more of the shows of Bishop Strickland? They're all podcast at vmpr.org, like all of our shows are. And you're welcome to just send them to your friends and family. That's how we spread the message. Or if you're on YouTube, send it little clips to uh, your friends. I think that's the best way to reach us, reach a world that is so much in touch with the social media. And I want to thank Bishop Strickland for taking the time again to share the gospel with us through Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Look forward to doing it again next week, same time, same station. And if you want to get this on your local station, just ask us and we'll happily give it to you. God love you.